Hi, thank you for tuning into the Shorts Text. I'm Lisa Quintero, Young Adult Librarian. And I'm Lizzie Jelly, Virtual Engagement Librarian. This is a show where we talk to you about what we've been reading, listening to, or watching. And this week, we are going to be talking to you about books by women authors. We just wrapped up March, which was Women's History Month, and so we wanted to talk a little bit about some different women authors and some books about women. So, um, Lizzie, what did you read this past month? Oh, what didn't I read this past month, Lisa? <laughs> um, as everyone knows, I am a romance lover, so mm-hmm. I disproportionately read almost all books by women. I was trying to think of the last book that I read that wasn't by a woman, and I could not think of the title, so <laughs> it's been a while, which is great, which really helpful for this podcast. But I want to talk about the highly anticipated romance novel, Delilah Green Doesn't Care by Ashley Herring Blake. Okay. I know a lot of people are very excited for, one, a new queer romance and a queer contemporary romance with lesbian mm-hmm. female leads, which was really exciting because, as we all know, lesbian romance often gets sidelined in mm-hmm. the genre. So I was like, great, can't wait, love to read it. And the cover looked really good. It was like purple and it had like a real, uh, what's the word, someone with like real vintage style. Okay. And then our other character with like tattoos and like okay. leather jacket. And I was like, okay, yes, this is the energy that I'm looking for. <laughs> um, so I was really, really excited to read this. So it follows Delilah Green, obviously our titular character. Um, she comes back to her hometown to photograph her estranged stepsister's wedding, okay. which is huge because she hasn't been back to her hometown in like 10 years. She left the day after graduation, get out, didn't want to come back. And when she gets back, she goes to the hometown bar mm-hmm. and lo and behold, her sister's mean girl, best friend from high school, doesn't recognize her, comes up to the bar, starts flirting with her. <laughs> so of course, Delilah's like, well, I'm going to have a little fun in this moment because she doesn't know who I am, but mm-hmm. I know who she is. Yeah. So she plays along. And of course, when um, Claire, this is her sister's best friend's name, figures out that it's Delilah, mortified, right? Absolutely mortified. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, you are here for Astrid's wedding. I can't believe I just flirted with you. Oh my gosh, kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, so we get a little bit of back and forth with that with all kinds of like pre-wedding shenanigans as... Delilah and Claire and Astrid's other friend try to stop the wedding because they decide they don't like Astrid's intended at all, okay. which he's kind of a, a tool, to be fair. Yeah. So like, I was like really rooting for them. I was like, yes, ruin that wedding. Can't <laughs> wait. We get all kinds of like little best friend antics and we get the really cute like kind of, it's like a combination of like the enemies to lovers, also like friends to lovers tropes because uh-huh. we have to go from enemies to friends before we get to lovers uh-huh. in this case. Okay. So it's super cute, super fun, but also um, I didn't love it. Okay. And it's a good book. It mm-hmm. really is. But I think as someone who like had that same kind of experience as Delilah did growing up in like homophobic small town, mm-hmm. left right after graduation, didn't really want to go back. Mm-hmm. It was a tough read in mm-hmm. certain spots because you really get to um, Ashley Herring Blake did not shy away from those emotions that Delilah had to come through and like revisiting her hometown and mm-hmm. interacting with people who like still remember her as that really awkward, shy Mm 17-year-old, and she's coming back now as, like, a fully formed adult who's lived a whole life since then and really has to navigate those complexities. Mm -hmm. But it's, it was interesting, and it does have some parts that are, like, just laugh out loud funny, and it was also, like, I love those books that make me laugh and cry at the same time, Mm -hmm. a real roller coaster of a romance, and it's definitely one of those. Okay. Um, So if you're really into that, I would recommend. Also, Every other review that I've heard of it, people loved it. Uh So I think I'm a real outlier here. So if you disagree, (laughs) please let me know. Don't let my opinion stop you from checking it out. But yeah, yeah, it was a a bit of a wild ride. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, if you had some 
I don't know that trauma is the right word, but if you've had some experiences in like a town or like a, or, you know, just in general, sometimes revisiting them and, and a book is not what you, you want to do. Absolutely. You I was just, like, wow, I really needed a little warning for this one. I didn't think we were going to go through that. I was like, oof, man, that sounds real familiar, actually. But it was it was good. And I think it was well handled, which, yeah. was, which made me keep going and okay. keep reading it. Yeah. So it was good. Okay. Um, so I read a few different things. Um, the first one I'm going to be talking about is Burnout, which is a nonfiction book. The subtitle is The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. And it was written by a set of twins uh, named Emily and Amelia Nagoski. Emily is a doctor of health behavior. Uh, she has taught classes on human sexuality, relationships and communication, stress management, and sex education. She has a degree in psychology. Um, and Amelia is a doctor of music. Uh, she, oh, cool. she is a choral director. And so basically, when Amelia was in grad school, she had this breakdown and realized that it was because she was burnt out. She went to doctors and all you know nobody knew what was wrong with her. Everybody was just like, you know, we have no idea. And she's just like I'm exhausted, I'm sick. She ended up having to have like her appendix taken out, like oh all gosh. these different things happened cuz she was, you know, just she was trying to juggle her home life with her kids and her husband and also, you know, being in grad school and doing all this stuff and she just was like I can't do this. And so her sister, um who, you know, studies the science behind stress and health behavior you know, has some suggestions for Amelia on ways to reduce stress, but together they decided to do more research into this because they realized that this is something that, you know, is pervasive among women because um, it's written specifically for a woman or femme audience. And one of their big points is that women in society, like they say, there's two different kinds of people in our, in our Western patriarchal society. There are human beings and human givers mm. and they're like and people who are women tend to be seen as human givers and men tend to be seen as human beings and so you know women are expected to give 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 and if we don't give then we're bad women and you just kind of keep giving and if you're like running on empty like it doesn't matter you just have to keep giving because otherwise you're not a good in quotes woman <laughs> um, and um it's true, you know, when you like when you think about it, like women are expected to be parents and we disproportionately work in helping fields, you know, like teachers and nurses and um, a lot of service jobs and yeah. to, you know, do things like one of the they, they do a couple different sketches of two different people and kind of follow them along throughout the book to see how they deal with their stress. And one of them is a woman who gets so sick because she is dealing with her family she has to like manage her husband's emotions stuff and doing a lot of emotional labor. And then on top of it, she's moving and she's got a new job and, you know, and all these different oh things. Gosh, and yeah. it's just, it ends up making her physically ill. Um, and so they talk a lot about ways to break that stress cycle. Um, one of the things is to not be a giver all the time that, you know, we should not center our lives around giving that we need to see ourselves as human beings to some degree, but their argument is not that everybody should be seen as human beings, but that everybody should be a bit of a human giver, mm. um, that, you know, men should be taught to to give more too. And so we see that in the story of the woman who gets ill, her husband ends up, when she gets ill, finally stepping up and like helping take care of their daughter. And he realizes like, oh, she hates eating this. She doesn't want to do this. You know, she has strong opinions about what to wear to school. She has all these things and he's, you know, he basically breaks down in front of his wife and is like this is awful and she just kind of like laughs and is like what do you think I've been dealing with for the last 13 years 
um, you know, and, and kind of how we need to support each other. Um, men need to, you know, step up and support women more. Yeah. So it's interesting because, um, yeah, like I said, they break it down. One of the things is to be less of a giver. One of the things is to, even though many of us hate it, is to exercise. Um, you know, and they talk about for people who don't like to exercise other options in order to, because they talk about the fight and, uh, flee response that we have, you know, when we have stressful situations. And so they're like, you know, in the olden days of cavemen, if you had a lion chasing you, you know, you'd be like all worked (laughs) up and you would either run or you would fight or you would freeze, you know? And then they talk about how when animals freeze, like once the threat has gone away, you will often see an animal shaking because mm. it's just like the anxiety leaving their body. Yeah. Um, and so you need to to get rid of that, all that built up tension in your body. And so like the best way to do that is to exercise. So like, you know, run or dance or do whatever um, that makes you happy in terms of exercise. But they're like, if you can't do that, um, one of the things that they suggested to somebody who's like, I absolutely hate exercise. Like there's no way I'm exercising like ever. That's me. Um, <laughs> And they were like, you know, one thing that you can do is you can lay in your bed and slowly like tense every single muscle in your body and then let go of that tension until you've like gone from like your head all the way down to your toes and like how that, you know, and also focusing on your breathing. And, yeah. Um, I like that. Sounds like a mindfulness. Yeah. Really an awareness. Yeah. I'll have to try that. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. And then they talked about, you know, gratitude, but they talked about it in terms of like we get told as women that we should be grateful for everything and that we should make these lists of like being grateful for like 10 things or whatever and so one of the things that they talk about is that gratitude is important but it's not about the things in your life it's more about the people in your Mm -hmm. life and the experiences that you've had in your life so if you're doing gratitude journaling to like focus on those things so they have a lot of other great um insights and tips and it's uh told in a very conversational style i listened to the audiobook and it's kind of like you know sitting there talking to a couple of friends um and it's was not as painful as some other self-help books can sometimes be. Um, And it was cool because they also, like, talk about, you know, how things affect women of color differently. And also, you know, they talk about sizeism and they talk about all sorts of different things that, that, you know, affect women and how all of that adds on to our stress um, and how we need to, you know, break out of this cycle so that we're not burned out. We're not all sick and... And, you know, and we don't all hate our lives. <laughs> no, how timely, first of all. Like, yeah. This is such a, I don't know, something that I feel like a lot of us have been experiencing the past years, it feels like. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I wanted to read it. I've been on the hold list for the audiobook for six months. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, we have, I think, we don't have a copy of the book here, but there's several copies in the system. But, yeah, it is available on Libby. Um, but it did take me six months to get the <laughs> audiobook on Libby. It's good to know it's popular, I guess. Hopefully we're all starting to break out of our stress cycle. Yeah, yeah. Us are reading it. Yeah, and I had originally heard about it. Um, there's a the psychiatrist, Brene Brown, and mm. she has a podcast, and they, the sisters had been on the podcast talking about it. And so I was like, huh, I'm feeling this way. I should. <laughs> like, that hits <laughs> a little too close to home, Maybe actually. read this book. Um, and yeah, it. Uh, I like it because it includes a lot of, like, science, neuroscience, mm. social science. I'm I'm really into that sort of stuff and kind of breaking down why things happen the way the way they do in terms of our bodies, in terms of our brains, um, you know, in terms of our psychology. Because uh, I think when things have an explanation for me, it's it's easier for me to enact the behaviors that they want us to enact than when they don't have an explanation because then I'm just like, why am I doing this? That makes sense. <laughs> I don't like being told what to do either unless there's a good reason for it. Yes. So. <laughs> Yeah, so that's uh, Burnout by Emily and Amelia Nagas. 
very cool. Mm-hmm. I was, I don't know. It's really interesting that our first two books we're talking about, we both see ourselves kind of reflected in them. I was like, mm-hmm. ooh, interesting. A lot of learning <laughs> happening this month in a bunch of different ways. Yeah. All right. Well, I can talk about another book that I read this past month, which is, shocker, a romance. Um, <laughs> but it is Diana Quincy's The Viscount Made Me Do It. It is the second book of her clandestine affairs series. And I have a real love of the second book in a series, I found. I usually, if I like the first one, I'll love the second one, and I won't like the third one. Okay, huh. And it's been true a few times, and I'm wondering if it's me uh-huh. or if the other people are having the same experience. Um, but I really love diverse historical romances, and there's been a big push in those coming out in the past couple of years as the genres really had to have a reckoning with itself to do a little better. So Diana Quincy is a real queen of that, I will uh-huh. say. Um, and this novel follows bonesetter Hannah Zidane, in London. She is from a Middle Eastern immigrant family, and she took over her father's practice when he died to her grandma's, like, absolute dismay. She's like, what are you doing alone in a room with a man? And you're touching him (laughs) and, like, adjusting his arm? Don't do that. And she's like, but I'm good at it, grandma. I'm the best in town, so I'm going to keep doing it. And she is. Like, she's incredible at her job. But they talk a lot about at the time that, like, bone setting was seen as, like, kind of a like a fraud kind of thing. It's like, oh, they're not actually doing anything because it wasn't seen as like an actual like helpful um, mm-hmm. medical science. It's mm-hmm. like it's like a chiropractor yeah. basically or like helping like with joint health and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, so one of those doubters is the Viscount Griffin, Griff to his friends, of course. <laughs> um, and he's super cranky and has like this old war injury where like all of his joints are out of place in his arm. All the best doctors have looked at it and they've all said it's incurable. So he's just cranky and in pain Mm. all the time Mm. and no fun at any parties so he doesn't get invited so he takes it upon himself to disprove Hannah Zidane after she get this within the first five pages a man disrespects her time so she dislocates his wrist on purpose (laughs) I was like wow I'm really in for a treat if we're already dislocating wrists in the first five pages so the duke or the viscount hears about this and is like I'm gonna find out if this woman is a fraud like she hurt this man intentionally didn't realize she hurt him in a way that she could fix mm-hmm. um, just because he wasted her time and was being kind of racist towards her. So she was like, I'm not dealing with that. Yeah. So I was like, I'm already on board for Hannah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Griff goes to see her and she ends up actually curing him in like a way that like doctors are baffled. They don't believe it. They're like, oh, it must have healed on its own kind of thing. <laughs> uh-huh. Just will not give her the credit for it. And it's just a real delicious novel if you love scandal you love surprises you love women breaking all of the rules that anyone ever sets for them she's like me in a way where she's like someone tells her what to do she says absolutely not just because you told me to do it I'm going to do the opposite Mm -hmm. so it was really good to see that kind of energy and we get so many delicious scandals from like unsolved murders to like overall like tackling medical negligence in the field and how the big hospital in town is like disappearing poor people Uh it's wild oh my gosh it's wild but don't worry, our heroine swoops in, saves the day, gets all of the stuff that she deserves at the end. But wow, it was a real roller coaster. Yeah, that one sounds good. I may have to check that one it out. It was good. And mm-hmm. Diana Quincy um, is um, a Middle Eastern author herself. Okay. So a lot of her books feature um, interracial romances, um, Middle Eastern main characters. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times racism isn't like a huge part of the plot, which mm-hmm. I love because that's why I read romance. I don't always want to deal with the heavy, the heavy stuff. stuff yeah. mm-hmm. um, I just want to see characters happy, experiencing joy, especially our marginalized characters. Mm-hmm. And there's like undercurrents of it there, but our heroine comes out on top mm-hmm. and it's not like 
so much that you get bogged down by it. Okay. So I really appreciate that. And she's got a few other books as well that have similar vibes. So highly recommend. Okay, cool. So the other book that I, or one of the other books that I read is actually a middle grade novel. Um, it's called Starfish by Lisa Phipps. Um, it is about 11 year old Ellie and Ellie is somebody who ever since she was five at her fifth birthday party, she wore a whale bathing suit. And everybody's been bullying her about her weight Aww. ever since. Um, and so the only place that she feels safe is in the swimming pool. And, you know, now she's 11. And for years, people have been bullying her. But it's getting worse because, you know, middle school. Um, and, the worst. Yeah. It's written in verse. So it's very a very quick read. But, yeah, she ends up creating these um, what she calls fat girl rules. And her fat girl rules are like, no making waves, avoid eating in public, don't move so fast that your body jiggles, and all this stuff. And so her parents end up finding her fat girl rules and end up sending her to a therapist. Um, her mom is very critical of her and everything that she eats and everything that she does. And her mom's, you know, always telling her, well, if you just lost a little bit of weight, like, you know, everybody would like you and everything would be fine. Like, you know, and just commenting on what she's doing. And, you know, that's obviously very upsetting to Ellie. Uh, but she has allies in the form of her dad, and um, her dad's also a therapist, but, you know, he's like, I'm going to send you to somebody else because you're my child, and that's not, you know, Fair enough. Yep. that's not how this works. Um, so he sends her to somebody else, and along the way, she also makes a new friend. She has a girl named Catalina who moves in next to her and just accepts her for who she is and isn't judging about what she does or anything like that. And when um, there's, like, a interaction where Ellie ends up telling her about how the kids at school are mean to her because they go to different schools. Um, Catalina is, you know, like, that's awful. Like, I'm sorry. And she, like, validates her emotions. Oh, yeah. And she's, like, very supportive. And she's just, like, you know, you're awesome and you're great. Oh, and Best friend energy right yes, there. Yes, total best friend energy. And so, yeah, throughout the book, Ellie, you know, slowly gains confidence. And she learns to advocate for herself, mm. especially when it comes to, like, her mom and to other kids. Um, she stops with the fat girl rules and becomes very empowered about her self-image and is no longer as troubled as she is at the beginning of the book. So it was a really, you know, really sweet read. Um, there's not a lot of middle grade fiction that covers this topic. Yeah. Um, it's actually very rare. And so, and this did it in a really good way. It um, It's a debut author. And like I said, it was a really quick read and um, because it's in verse, you know, some of the stuff was very emotional and some of the yeah, stuff like, really hit like, you know, and again, like we were talking about trauma and stuff, it brought back some memories of kids being mean, you know, oh. it's the things that kids say to you at that age and like, and the things that you start to believe about yourself and the things that, you know, you start to think about how other people see you and internalize like that stuff is very real. And like, it's, you know, really important to help kids see that, that that's not true and to help them advocate for themselves wow that sounds so good actually yeah. i wish i had a book like that in middle school i yeah. had like you know the american girl books but they're all that's something that we definitely noticed growing up right yeah. especially in the early 2000s like yeah. all of our heroines were stick thin for mm -hmm. the most part yeah. and it's tough to like watch that and see that as the idealized bottles especially in middle school right yeah. which is already tough in just a myriad of ways yeah but, wow i love that it's in verse too that's really interesting yeah yeah cool yeah yeah, and like I said, the burnout book also talked about that a lot, and so it was cool because they talked about, you know, how, oh, if you're overweight, like, you're not healthy, but, like, how the science has just proven that over right. and over and over again, you know, and, like, there's these ideas still in society that, like, you have to be thin and look like a Barbie doll to, to you know, to be 
good or right or whatever you want to, you know, right, and like it's just like, so much worth to like your actual like weight and size and how yeah. it's just so, so detrimental, especially when you're, you're growing up at that age, right? And your yeah. body's changing too on top of that. Oh, yeah. So it's just, oh, a whole nasty stew of stuff going on. Yeah. So, so yeah, I thought that that was really cool that there's, you know, this middle grade novel about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I love that. How timely as well. It's yeah. about time we started talking about that in middle school. Yeah. <laughs> So do you have any other ones? Um, I do have one more that I've almost finished reading. Okay. Um, I've dabbled a little bit outside of romance this past month, mm-hmm. and I started reading A Far Wilder Magic by Alison Sapp. Okay. And I don't often read YA, so this was a bit of a rare pick for me, mm-hmm. but I thought it was a bit of a romance, so I was like, mm, I'll give it a try. Yeah. Um, but it's really interesting, and it's definitely a heavier and more like melancholy book than mm-hmm. I would normally pick up, but it's really like atmospheric and it has a lot of really heavy themes in it like there's a lot of xenophobia and nationalism and like religious persecution that's talked about all in this kind of like fantasy universe that's like part 1920s a little steampunk energy Uh it's like on the coast there's an ocean and we're dealing with a lot of like um different religious um reactions to this um what do they call it the half moon hunt where it's like every year uh, the whole nation kind of comes together to kill this like mythical creature that terrorizes in quotes um (laughs) the town or whatever and it's like the last of 10 and depending on your religion you either believe it's like a god or like um, a devil or just a fox kind of thing but it's it's heavy but it's good and it's really like it sucked me in in a way that I didn't expect and I just couldn't put it down I was Uh up so late trying to finish it last night and I only have like 30 pages left so I'm like oh I should just power through but I was like no you have to go to work tomorrow you have to stop (laughs) um but it's it's wild and it's really interesting and it's um is it rooted in like the nine-tailed fox mythology or is it something different not that i've seen Um, they call it like the hala i've seen like some parallels to like obviously stuff that happens in our world as well it's really um interesting to watch it handle um but yeah like i haven't gotten to like the actual hunt yet like the hunt is just beginning um, the part that i got to the book so i don't know if they're actually going to kill the fox or not because both of them our main characters um margaret and wes are from like marginalized religions okay. and Wes is also um, an immigrant from an immigrant family and they experience a lot of like hiring discrimination and all okay. kinds of stuff like that and they've both lost parents and Margaret is um what's the word like her dad like left the family and her mom has gone like a little bit off the deep end with like alchemy because there's a lot of magic in this mm-hmm. universe as well and so she's become so obsessed with like trying to bring her dead brother back mm-hmm. that like She's completely stopped kind of caring for Margaret. So Margaret's trying to navigate all of this on her own. And it's just, oh, it's really heavy. And there's a lot of like um, violence and animal death in okay. this that I was like, you got to be prepared for if you're going to read it because it's it's gruesome. Okay. But it's, um, I don't know. I'm really curious to see what happens. Part of me really hopes that they don't kill it because yeah. I'm like, oh, please, please. Because like after <laughs> everything we've learned in this book, like yeah. we know it's not bad. It's just misunderstood. Yeah. But I don't know. It just came out actually like two weeks ago. So okay. I was like, I've been anticipating this one for a little while, but it's definitely a different Check vibe. Out, than when yeah. I go. Yeah. You might like it. It reminded me a lot of when we talked about um, the only good Indians with that like image <laughs> yeah. of like the animal coming yeah. back for vengeance. And yeah. so I'm wondering if there's going to be some more parallels as I finish the book, but okay. woof. <laughs> it'll suck you in. So don't read it if you don't have a lot of time to just sit down and get into it. Okay. Sounds good. I have one more, and the last one that I have is a new adult one, and it is called Yoke by Mary H.K. Choi. Uh, yeah, so it's a it's a new adult book, and it is about a pair of sisters, Jane and June. That's their American names. They're Korean, um, so they have given Korean names, but 
Um, they go by Jane and June, and they're from Texas, and they both live in New York City now. And one of them is in college, she's going to art school, and then the older one, like, works in finance and has her own apartment. And neither of them really talk to each other. Um, they have this very, like, tense sisterly relationship mm. where, like, their parents have pitted them against each other a lot, where they're like, you know, June's the smart one and Jane's the pretty one and, oh, you know, gosh, and, and yeah. that kind of sort of dynamic going on. Um, and so everything kind of takes a, a weird twist when at the beginning of the book, June shows up at, like, a bar that Jane's hanging out at and, like, asks her to come over for dinner. And, like, she comes over for dinner and they start hanging out more and talking more. And we find out later that part of the reason that she had her come over for dinner was so she could steal her ID so she could commit insurance fraud. Oh. <laughs> Um, <laughs> because she has uterine cancer okay. and so throughout the book we see their relationship get strained and then come back together and then get strained and come back together because jane the younger one had stolen her older sister's id so she could drink oh my at gosh. the bars <laughs> she's 20 she's not 21 yet and because their names are close enough and they look right. you know they look close enough and they're like we're Korean. Nobody can, you know, white people can't tell us apart anyway. So they're <laughs> yeah. like, so like, you know, she's like, I, she stole her ID, and so June is like, well, since she stole my ID, I'm gonna steal her ID because what we find out is that June like had been working in this finance industry, got into like a huge argument with her boss, um, who was like sexually harassing her, <gasps> no, got fired, and so she has no insurance, and she, you know, is sick, and so she's like, all right, I need to do something about it, and um. Get a little bit of backstory about their parents. Uh, their parents own a restaurant in Texas, and their parents are very traditional Koreans, and, you know, they have a kind of a strained relationship with their mom, um, and their dad kind of just stays out of it because he's sure. just like, that's women's business or whatever. <laughs> and so, so yeah, so they end up going back to Texas um, right before June has her surgery, but they decide not to tell the parents that June is having surgery. And oh. Jane is like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to blow my sister in for her secret. But she wants to tell her parents because she feels like they should know. But they, she also knows, and so does June, that, you know, June's supposed to be the perfect one. And June's supposed to, you know, have all her stuff together. And um, she doesn't want to make her parents worry. And her parents, you know, like she just, she wants to be the good eldest daughter and right. <laughs> all these things. And so... She, you know, they end up spending uh, a week with their parents in Texas and kind of getting to know each other even a little bit more because, you know, sometimes the environment that you're in affects how your relationships are. I know, at least in my family, like when I hang out with my sister one on one, <laughs> like it's totally different than when we hang out with my parents, like dynamics right. change. It's yeah. very weird. Even, you know, some dynamics just continue on for the rest of your life. It feels like and you're just like, why? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so. They end up going back to New York so she can have her surgery. And when she goes to have her surgery, her mom shows up mm. because Jane ended up calling her after all because she's like, mom would want to know. Right. And um, and throughout the whole thing, Jane also has like an eating disorder. And so it deals with that a lot. And um, one of the things that June, like, because June lets Jane eventually move in with her because Jane is like has very low self-esteem and she bounces from relationship to relationship to relationship, um, just kind of crashing with different dudes yeah. um, and using, you know, kind of sex as a way to to ensure that she has a place to stay. And so she ends up at a point where her sister's just like, just move in with me. And at first, like they get into this fight and they, <laughs> they don't move in together, but then they do move in together. And then like eventually she's like, you can stay with me, but in order to stay with me, you need to get help for your eating disorder she's bulimic 
and her sister's like, I know about what you do. And, right. you know, she thinks she's got this whole secret under, you know, and they, they, so they've both been keeping these secrets um, and they've been keeping these secrets from their parents. And um, it was very relatable to me because um, kind of a little bit how my family dynamic has been. Like, I feel like a, a lot of immigrant families, you know, because you, you're told that, like, you have to be a certain way and sure. like, yeah. um, and so, and you don't want to cause ripples and also there's different expectations in different cultures. And so at least in, in Latino culture, like I know it, it hit close to home. <laughs> and I was just like, these people could be my family. But it was really good. And I really liked, um, you know, because I, again, it's familiar. I had a similar thing with my sister we didn't commit insurance fraud or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, but don't like, admit to that on here now. <laughs> but no, like, um, but you know, when we were younger, we we kind of were had this this more adversarial relationship. And as we've grown older, um, we've grown quite close. And um, you know, I think it's important for sisters, siblings, but especially sisters, to support each other and to be there for each other. Um, because you know, I remember I saw a meme sometime <laughs> where like the best the best reason to have a sibling is because you can laugh about your trauma together. <laughs> Yeah, I think I saw the same yeah. <laughs> um, But yeah, and ultimately, you know, they also strengthen their relationship with their parents a little bit more because instead of, you know, because their mom is just like, I just want to know what's going on with you. Also, their mom's reaction when she finds out that they're committing insurance fraud <laughs> is like the most hilarious thing oh, no. because, because they're in the hospital room and the doctor's calling June Jane and Jane June <laughs> and the mom doesn't even like blink an eye. And then afterwards in Korean says to Jane, like, why was she calling you this and her that? And then, then she's like, oh, you know, she has to use my insurance in order to have the surgery. And then the mom's like, oh, so-and-so from church had to do that too. Fine. <laughs> and that's, oh my gosh. that's the thing is like immigrant communities and you're just like, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. And um, yeah, so it was really, but yeah, it, it was good. It was a little bit sad at times, but it had like, you know, uplifting moments and ultimately it had a happy uplifting ending. Um, and so dealt with a lot of heavy topics but I feel like it was good for like a new new adult book though because I feel like a lot of those issues are things that you're kind of dealing with you know navigating because one of the things that they're both navigating is kind of being becoming their own people now that they're in New York City and that they're you know away from their parents and you know kind of figuring out why they do things the way that they do because ultimately like the the younger sister realizes that she part of the reason she's bulimic and she's like jumping from dude to dude is she was like sexually abused in high school and and you know and dealing with all that sort of stuff um and I feel like your early 20s are definitely a time of a lot of that reckoning and being like what am I doing and what is life a lot of unpacking that's for sure yes wow that sounds so good though but so complex so yes, much going on it that's was definitely very what complex. I would like a roller coaster read yes very roller coaster but very good all right so library news so one of the biggest things we have going on right now is Shorewood Reads, um, and Lizzie is one of the organizers. you want to tell us a little bit about what's going on with Shorewood Reads this year? Oh, absolutely I can. It has been a whirlwind. We are so excited to bring Shorewood Reads back this year in 2022, and our community read this year is The Coyotes of Carthage by Stephen Wright. It's a bit of a, bit of a mystery, a bit of a political thriller, and also some satirical elements, so it's really, really a wild ride. Okay. But I highly recommend there are copies available at the library, on our Lucky Day shelves, and you'll even find them throughout the community in Shorewood at local businesses. But 
The culminating events are all happening this month in April. We have a bunch of book discussions coming up here at the library in Shorewood Village Center. We also have a film screening coming up on the 19th of the documentary film Dark Money about like campaign finance and like explaining a little bit about what dark money is and how it affects um, politics. And yeah, because yeah. that's what the book is about, right? It is. It's, like, it's about dirty money in a lot of ways. Yeah, because I read it and I like saw the title Coyotes of Carthage and I was like, oh, is this going to be about like coyotes? <laughs> and then, like, right. They show up, but they're more, um, what's the word, like allegorical yes. in a way. And then as I was reading, I'm like, oh, no, this is about like campaigns and, and like fraud and, and yeah. It's about yeah. <laughs> like the way elections can be bought and sold and influenced yeah. by money that is nowhere near the local community. So yeah. it follows um, a local election in the South, and it also deals with a little bit of themes of like elections in the South to begin with, um, public land grabs as well. And mm-hmm. there's also some discussion of like racism mm-hmm. in the community as well and how that impacts politics. So it's a, there's a lot going on, uh-huh. but it's by a Wisconsin author, actually. Um, Stephen teaches at the University of Madison uh-huh. in both law and creative writing, but he will be visiting the Shorewood Public Library on April 27th. He'll be doing three different things throughout the day. I know he has a writing workshop planned in the morning, okay, another cool. presentation in the afternoon, and of course, he will be talking about his book, The Coyotes of Carthage, that evening with Daniel Golden from Boswell Books. Oh, cool. Very and there'll good. be question and answer afterwards and refreshments, of course. Uh-huh. So please come and meet the author, ask your questions, find a copy of the book, give us a call. If you can't, we can absolutely point you towards one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where, like, where are some community spots that you guys have been oh, I should know all these off the top of my head because I just <laughs> talked about them, but I might forget a few. But I know there are copies at um, Stone Creek, Fiddleheads, there will be some at um, with Edward Jones okay. and a few other local community businesses as well. And there's posters up all over the place too. So if you see a poster, check inside, see if they have any books. Cool. We also have several other events going on in addition to Shorewood Reads. Um, on Tuesday, April 12th, we have Family Fun Night to Go. And Miss Heidi has started her new session of Rhyme Time Tuesdays and Rhyme and Read Lapsit, which we currently have registration is open. So you can either call us at the library to register or you can register online. And then on Wednesday the 13th, we're going to have the Job Center of Wisconsin doing their drop-in help. On the 14th, Thursday at 9.30 a.m., Miss Heidi will be doing story time. And again, registration is currently open for that. On the 20th, we will have Art Cart to go, as well as on the 27th. And on the 21st, we will have the AM Book Club. And the book this month for that is These Ghosts Are Family by Maisie Card. As always, if you have any questions for our hosts, you can email us at shorewoodstacks at gmail.com. You can find us on Spotify, Podbean, or iTunes. You can also find us on our social media channels, Instagram and Facebook. We hope you have enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening and be well. The Short Stacks is written and recorded by Lisa Quintero and Lizzie Jelly for the Short Public Library. Music for the show is called Ice Flow and is by Kevin McLeod and can be found on incompetech.com.